So I actually just came back from watching the Super Mario Brothers movie. Oh, oh. yeah! How was that? Did it wash the 1993 one? Like the taste of that out of your mouth? Did it wash the taste? Whoa, out? whoa, whoa, whoa! This is assuming that that movie was bad. And let me tell you, just because it was made in the 90s and Bowser had frosted tips, does not mean that it was a bad movie. No, okay, it, Bob it was Hoskins, a bad movie. Because, wow. Great, no, great cast terrible movie and there was a there's a okay. plethora of stories behind it the the original script they had gone with for the 93 film was spectacular it had all these great references to the game but it also had kind of like a almost like a dark gritty batman feel to it um but then they that. and that's why uh john leguizamo and uh, Hawk, uh bob hoskins or whatever his name is uh hopped on because they saw that script originally but then just a couple months before that fi- the filming started there was concern about it being like too dark and too edgy for a video game like you know kid crowd so then there was all these like last minute changes and actually the director like three quarters of the way through was actually kicked off set um so anyways there's a uh, it was that movie was thrown together very like ramshackle (laughs) uh like and it, okay. So it's it's just not a great film. It it definitely like hits a little bit of nostalgia buttons for me because I was like seven when it came out, but it is objectively not a good film. So <laughs> I was three years old and I have never seen it. Oh, it's I, worth it's worth watching. I, I used to have little action figures of them too with their like funky little boots that they had for their <laughs> jump stuff. So I had the action figures and everything. And I I watched it maybe three or four years ago because I thought you know I had the you know nostalgia glasses on and i was like oh, i remember that film and so i was going through like a whole like early 90s kick you know and, and i was re-watching the teenage ninja turtles which holds up so well same with ghostbusters holds up so well and then i got to that one and i was like oh oh god <laughs> I, I should not have watched this yeah i was like i I, sh- I should have left and then that's what got me researching the background of it and i was like oh that explains why it's, it's had some issues so when I ask if it left the, t- the or if the new one washed the taste out of your mouth of the the previous one, it was because I assumed it was bad. But I guess you know if you're you're entitled to love it. So if you love the film, all power to you. I mean, I I I love bad movies. Uh, a Batman and Robin, one of my favorites of all time. Is that time. the one where he has nipples? Uh, that's one of them. Uh, that's the but one that's the, with that Mr. Freeze's. Yes, yes, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, Clooney, uh, we got nipples, Schwarzenegger yeah. with the Mister Freeze. You need to chill. Yeah, I love. I, 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 I love that. Yeah, I love that film too. It's, it's camp, and and that's yeah. what I appreciate about the Super Mario Brothers nineteen ninety three camp. Uh, but this one, a lot of good references because I kept pestering my wife all about like, oh, he did that move. That's from this game. Oh, they got this setup. That's from this game. Oh, they referenced Paulina during a news article. Oh, that's from the original. Like, it wasn't Princess Peach. It was Paulina. Like, so there were a lot of good references to keep the non-kids entertained. Uh, I was laughing a lot. Um, it's Illumination. So it it, I, yes. Honestly, I saw past Chris Pratt's Italian accent, which is very Italian. Uh, and and I think that they had a lot of other supporting characters to Mario that were Italian enough that made up for his accent. Um, <laughs> which and there were a couple times where he actually says "Mamma Mia" in slow motion, and it almost sounds like the original Mario. What now, are your thoughts on this, real quick, just to interject with regards to the accent? Because, like, <laughs> what what are your thoughts on this in 2023? Because essentially. We are saying it's okay to do to Italians what it would not be okay to do with other people. Like, imagine Mario was a Chinese plumber and Chris Pratt was doing some sort of stereotypical Chinese accent. I suspect everybody would be up in arms. There is a difference. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say maybe not because he's a man, Um, but Scarlett Johansson got that in that one movie that ghost in the shell ghost in the Mm -hmm. shell that one and they were like she's white she should not be playing a japanese character and but she wasn't doing a japanese accent or something no she she wasn't right so that was that playing a japanese character she got so much shit for it that's that's my point though i think chris pratt is getting well that but but i don't know if that's because it's 
it, it's we're saying it's okay to do it because it's Italians. That's what I'm curious. Because I suspect if Chris Pratt was doing the stereotypical Chinese accent, that there would be some feathers ruffled, right? And so I, I just find it interesting where we can say like, oh, you can't a, a white person like a white man, and I and I'm for this. By the way, I agree we shouldn't be doing this, you know, sort of thing. But I'm saying I, I just find it interesting that it's like okay. Uh, this white guy can't do a stereotypical Indian accent, can't do a stereotypical uh, Asian accent, can't do a stereotypical like African-American accent, right? Oh, but Italians? Yeah, fucking go get them. I think, and this might be more of a nostalgia aspect to reference to, but I think a lot of people were upset because he wasn't trying to emulate how everyone perceives Mario as, which goes with what you're saying about he has a quote-unquote stereotypical Italian accent. So, like, the fact that he wasn't trying to do that, I feel like is what turned people off. Now, in the movie, he's actually from Brooklyn. Whether or not he's doing a Brooklyn accent, I don't know. Right, okay. So, but that's the only kind of spoiler that I'll say. Um, I really saw past his, because his his voice acting wasn't bad. It's when they specify, like, the teaser, tra- the trailer kind of, like, did it a disservice, um, it wasn't bad enough to where it was jarring and, and it pulled me out of the movie. And, that, and that's what I'll say. Per- personally, um, nothing pulled me out of the, like, enjoyment of the movie. I enjoyed it the whole way through, um, though I have to say um, my favorite uh, was, was Toad, played by Keegan-Michael Key. Doesn't sound okay. anything like Keegan-Michael Key. Very much sounds very similar to the, like, I'm Toad! Like, very, very, <laughs> like, immediate, like, Im- like nothing but the highest of praise for Keegan-Michael Key. Absolutely was fantastic. Charlie Day-Luigi, or who was he? Uh, I think so. If I, if I recall correctly, yes, uh, he was a Luigi. Um, though, if I'm wrong, leave a comment, you know, <laughs> review, that sort of thing. Tell me that I'm wrong. I'm um, glad it's good. I... I honestly, I don't care about like voices so long as they fit uh, the character and it doesn't take me out of it. And it sounds yeah. like that's the case here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, I do just find it like from a and like anthropological perspective or sociological perspective that, you know, if it was a Indian plumber or a Chinese plumber and we had Chris Pratt doing the voice, there'd be I'm sure there'd be issues and it would have probably never even been made. And so I just find it interesting that it's OK with the Italian market. and then. It's like, are there not like any Italian actors that could have stepped up to do this? I mean, that is a fair point. A lot of people, I think, were upset that he was cast to do the role instead of the normal Mario voice actor. Um, I can't remember his name, Charles something or other. Um, but yeah, I think that was the main, like, people just like, it's like Star Wars, it's like Star Trek, it's like something we might act, we'll get to later on. Um, where people are just like they got their nostalgia like fog. I won't even say glasses. They got the nostalgia fog, and so they think that Mario has to sound like he's always sound for the last thirty years, thirty forty years. Which is Whereas, so interesting because he only really got that, didn't he? With like Mario sixty four ish, right? Because he didn't have like that kind of accent in the TV show with the what is it, Lou Albino or whatever his name was. Uh, I uh, don't remember who did the cartoon, um, but. Yeah, and, uh, well, but it was like I, the I live think... action portion, you know, like there was a live, like Captain, yeah, it was Captain Lou, oh, oh, shame oh yeah, yeah, um, no, yeah. that was also Bob Hoskins, no, 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 no you're no. right, no, you're, you're yeah, right, no, it you're was right, Captain it was Captain Lou um, Albano or something like yeah, that, yeah, yeah, something then, to that effect, yeah, yeah and, the wrestler, and there was, exactly, and there was like mm-hmm. a, the live action portion, he didn't sound kind of like that stereotypical Italian bit there, obviously Bob Hoskins, like he, he had his own voice there, so it was only like the, it's a me! Mario, like from like from I the, think N64. the games, yeah, 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 yeah. Like when they did, when they actually did have voice acting. So like, yeah, you're right. Sixty four, Sunshine, and so on. Um, yeah. Uh, so with that in mind, yeah, I, I would say that did Chris Pratt play the perfect Mario role? No, but it wasn't enough to jar, like completely pull me from it and not enjoy the movie. No, of course not. All, and the all writing the, was all, good and everything was solid. Oh yeah. Yeah. There was so many, like if you are a fan of Easter eggs, you'll be sitting there throughout the whole movie, just being like, Oh, I see that. Oh, I see that too. Oh, I see that too. Like <laughs> there was so many Easter eggs. 
from so many different games, so many different generations. Like, honestly, like, it was good. I wasn't going in there expecting, like, you know, movie of the year or anything crazy like that or expecting absolute dreck, but, like, it was it was a good movie. Um, it was entertaining. It's, I mean, it's an Illumination movie, so they're the ones that do Minions. So, like, you're not expecting, like, you know, heart-wrenching, you know, gut-tearing things like Pixar or anything crazy like that. But, like, in terms of, did it waste my time? No. I Did I enjoy sitting there and watching it? Yeah. It was a if good popcorn If this movie flick. is successful, and I think it will be, uh, this is probably a time, interestingly, where... Uh, Mario owes like a some gratitude or a nod of thanks to Sonic. Um, I would because, say, yeah, yeah, because with the exception of Mortal Kombat in the mid nineties, <laughs> with, with the exception of Mortal Kombat, I think that every video game, like movie adaption of a video game, has been like a, a, an abysmal failure. Oh yeah, up uh, until Sonic. Yes, because even in more modern ones, with um, because I watched a YouTube video where I remembered that they made an Assassin's Creed movie with Michael mm-hmm. Fassbender. Oh, they did, didn't yeah. they? Yeah, see, oh it, you, it completely, God. it completely was erased from your memory, right? Mm-hmm. They made it, and I think it was—I don't even remember a cut like seven years ago or something like that. It was still when Assassin's Creed was pretty high up there in terms of popularity. It went about as well as every other video game to movie adaptation. And I I think like and there might be a couple, maybe like some more esoteric, some more unknown or unique movies that were, you know, popular before Sonic. But yeah, I definitely think that Sonic paved the way for Mario to really shine yeah. in his own movie. Yeah, exactly. I think like I said, with the exception of Mortal Kombat, which is a bit of a outlier i think well because that movie was successful and was a video game but it okay, was okay i was weird. like I, I can't imagine why you're defending mortal kombat because even though it was successful no one it's 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 not really uh well, well okay, received first, well okay <laughs> hold the phone here because as a fan like as somebody it. that just said they I, liked camp how can you hate on I mortal kombat i didn't i said it wasn't well received well i I uh, but it was successful, it. which would mean that at the time it was well received. And tell me right now, you can't put that theme song in your head. Mortal Kombat. Dun, 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 dun. You, you don't mean, have that. You can't have. Yeah. That iconic I play theme song. Mortal Kombat when I was a kid. And I also didn't watch the movie. Oh, well, okay. If you didn't watch the movie, that's the, the, the theme it, song it, wasn't it, from it, the. Yeah, Anybody exactly. that did watch the film. Can e- instantly recall that theme. That that's a banger right there. That's that's my jam. Um, and that movie was successful, and that's kind of why I, I I wasn't so much defending it, even though I do enjoy the film so much as I was pointing to it as the one example out before Sonic of a popular uh, film that was adapted from a video game. Because other than that, Mario Brothers included of ninety three one. Everyone had just been a, a just total failure, and they had never really been able to find a good way to adapt a film to a mainstream audience while like that was based off a video game franchise up until Sonic, which was able to kind of hit that stride. And that's why I was saying that I think Mario owes a bit of a gratitude to it because you had oh, yeah, Mario, yeah. Sonic did it, and then Pikachu came out, uh, Detective Pikachu, which also nailed it. Detective kind of, Pichu was after Sonic, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and kind of followed mm-hmm. in that same sort of footstep. And, you know, part of it just has to do with technology advancements where now we can actually have, like, video game characters talk to, yeah. you know, real people and it doesn't look, like, ridiculous. Um, uh, I mean, degree. I was like, it, it, they could have done the Who Frame Roger Rabbit, you know, kept it, you know, 2D cartoon interacting with live action because absolute banger of a movie. I will say absolutely mm-hmm. love that movie. Um, but yeah, no, you're right where like they can make them more photorealistic with, you know, referring to the the crowd, the mob, if you will, to make sure that Sonic is correct. Mm-hmm. Um, what was and it? It doesn't have teeth and all that jazz that they had to make him go back. And- oh, God, that was <laughs> uh, that was nightmare fuel. It, it definitely was that first iteration of Sonic. Uh, uh. <laughs> I got I part of me wonders though, if that was all done intentionally because you know, they, they release this little bits out and then people are horrified by it. Right. And you get this entire like call for changing it and they do, they go back, they spend the money to do it. And I, I'll admit I paid a ticket 
And I don't know if I would have without that initial backlash, but then I was like, oh, they fixed it? Well, fuck, let me go take a look. And then you also feel like you want, even if you were on the fence about seeing it, it, you almost feel like you have to spend the money because you want to reward the the studio for actually listening to the fans. So you you don't want the movie to bomb because all that'll tell them in the future is, well, screw it. Like the movie's going to fail any, or the, we're not going to make a bunch of money off this if we, even if we do fix it. So why bother? So I felt like personally, I was like, well, I got to throw my, my money in and buy a ticket because I want them to learn and say, oh, okay. If fans are upset about something and we fix it, they'll show up. No, so, I, yeah, I, Which, I agree. No, it, it makes sense. Like, um, maybe they weren't expecting the vitriol that they received. Sure. But like, I definitely feel like there was some sort of tactical, like reason behind doing it. They probably were, they were probably like, you know, let's tease what Sonic looks like. And, you know, maybe we'll get some pats on the back and everything. Not like, <laughs> the I don't think so. I can't received, imagine but- anybody, anybody in the graphics department or advertising could have looked at that original design and been like, that's a keeper. Yeah, we nailed it. High five, I mean, everybody. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I don't presume to assume in that case. I, like, I would maybe, yes. that, that is the stuff of nightmares. I can't well, imagine anybody in the boardroom was like, oh, yeah, this is the one. Nailed well, when you're, it. When you're thinking of boardroom people, those aren't the animators. Those aren't the people that like actually have any sort of like they don't design. They just say whether or not people get sent to the Shadow Realm because they did something wrong. Right. So like the animators probably were like, yeah, this looks like ass, but this is what we were told to do. And, you know, we don't want to be under heel. So we'll make that. But I love that in Sonic. Was it was it Sonic 2 or was it Detective Pikachu? It was or no, it was um, it was Chippendales. Have you guys seen like the Rescue Rangers there? No, no. Okay. I wanted <laughs> to because they have the original uh, the original yeah. version of Sonic in there, right? Yeah, that, that, like yeah that's fuel. what I was going to say. So for yeah. starters, it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, Chippendale's Rescue Rangers. The, the that's what I've heard. Was actually really good. I, I very much enjoyed it. So total recommendation there. But there is a really little funny spot in it where they're at like a convention, you know, kind of on point for, you know, in terms of uh, fan <laughs> you know, oh. topics and stuff uh, for this uh, episode. Um, but they're at like a convention and at one of the booths is like the original design Sonic and like nobody likes them and is, and is showing up there. But it's, it is such a, yeah, but it's such a, it's such a cool little like Easter egg thing because you've got like the, the old like nightmare version actually there in an actual real movie. And it's like, Hey, that design actually got used later. So that was kind of fun. (laughs) Well, we've definitely, this is a terrible, Oh, I haven't even introduced the podcast. Oh my goodness, Whoa! you're right. Oh, you are not. So, you are not Shane. Oh <laughs> no, not not at any. Well, I mean, we got. We were. I, you know, I should have introduced us as a podcast before I started talking about Super Mario Brothers movie. But uh, for all the people that don't know who we are, you know, uh, we are the Disinformed Podcast. Um, I don't want to do the Beholt thing because I forgot what he says to lead up to it because I usually just. <laughs> My eyes glaze over when he's talking and I wait for him to stop so I can say, and I'm Michael. Um, <laughs> but, you know, this is the Disinformed Podcast. Uh, I'm Michael. I'm also Michael. I'm Jesse. Yes. <laughs> we have, we have uh, our, our, one of our great, and I would say co-host, because you've, you've definitely been here enough times. And, and unlike, unlike Shane, our, our co-host who is not here tonight, um, I feel like just handing out uh, like the title of host or co-host wherever it seems fit and not taking it back whenever they say things that uh, oh, I disagree with. Oh, he can't with. take it back. He can't take it back. <laughs> See, he, he, Shane, he withheld it for a little while. You kept calling me in. Shane, you're probably listening to this at some point. So for starters, oh, he will be. It, he's probably already seething with rage by the fact that it took us 17 minutes to get to the introduction. Um, but I will say that Shane, you can't take it back anymore. It's it's all mine, baby. It's all mine. So don't he, test him. He, he, he was calling me an interloper for a while, and you know what? That was all fair. He was right. I was just sitting in. I was an interloper. I wasn't, uh, you know, part of the uh, the official co-host. But then on one glorious, what was it? Like an after dark, I believe it was that we went to do. Yeah, one, he, yeah. he let it slip. Called yeah. you a co-host. He said we are the three hosts of the uh, popular podcast, disinformed. And I was like, he said the thing. 
Did you hear it? Did you hear it? It's on. <laughs> I'm recording it. I got it. Yeah. I was like, all right. Whisper sweet nothings to me, Shane. Uh, but today we have a returning co-host, bad artist Jesse, uh, you know, joining us uh, today for, you know, uh, continuing the conversation that we've already had. I feel like I'm trying to moderate things a little too much here, but uh, we talked about fandoms in a way, talked about Sonic, talked about Mortal Kombat, apparently, because we have two people that really enjoyed the movie from the 90s. Um on you know on the call and uh i i wanted to talk about that today i like um, that the one person that's like shit talking mortal kombat admittedly said he didn't watch the movie <laughs> yeah i had heard from other people that it wasn't good because like leading up to even sonic at, like all the news articles that you would read on this was like you know this might be uh, no even going back to like assassin's creed or like any time there's a new video game movie there's a boatload of articles that come out saying like will this be the one good video game to movie adaptation will this be the one that takes it to a new level you know if i was so, like going oh man jean-claude van damme street fighter that was the best film if i was saying that i'd be on board with you going i well, don't know about this guy well but Mortal Kombat was an actually good film but uh but that being said i actually i actually don't mind what jean-claude van damme street fighter <laughs> But you know why? It's because you enjoy the 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 work. You enjoy the medium that you know they're you're engaging with. You there's are just a something about fan. that era. Well, there's just something about yeah. that era as well with films that like you just don't get movies that feel like that anymore. Like now, bad films like are bad films, right? And any bad film can look like a high budget film because technology is just like cameras are so good now. Whereas, like, back then, if you had, like, put a bunch of money into it, like Street Fighter, but it still came out like a really cheesy, campy film, there was just some, it was almost like its own little piece of art that you're, like, like kind of like Batman and Robin, right? Where you're like, this is not really a good film, but there's so much money poured into it that, and it's so campy and cheesy that I kind of like it. I mean, I just like camp because that, that stuff is, it just, it entertains me to no end. like. Because you can, in a way, like you can feel the the motivation, you can feel the energy in their in their performances. Where they like, they might know that it's going to be a bad movie. They might know that it's not going to do well, but they still give it their all. They still try. Um, JVD always brings it. That man had me the first time I saw him do the splits. I was like, I think I'm switching teams. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God damn> it. <laughs> Whew. <laughs> goodness gracious i lost my train of thought with that you you shattered it gone train derailed oh i uh, would derail that man oh my <laughs> oh he he derailed that man hard <laughs> john claude van damn <laughs> so with that i wanted to ask I wanted to talk about fandoms today because I feel like we've already like started warming up with a lot of talk of, you know, fandoms. But I want to know what what your fandoms are, what what both of your fandoms are, like fandoms that you've engaged with, because we all are fans of like various forms of media. But whether or not you actually wanted to engage with fans in addition to enjoying the media yourself, right? Like. Everyone at some point can say that maybe they liked Harry Potter, but did you engage with the fandom? Did you, or, or like uh, other things like Mario? Did you ever try and reach out and try, or, or Pokemon? Did, like, you might have liked Pokemon, you might have liked the trading card game. Were you part of a tournament? Were you part of a league? Like, and that, like, that's what I'm always fascinated about. All and about those pogs, baby. Even then, like the fandom around Pogs, because even then that that is so cool because there's so much there's so much interaction by even cross uh, interaction between multiple fandoms because you get Pogs like you get uh, someone that loves Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Pogs like to death. And you got like I almost said Invader Zim, but that's probably maybe a little more towards the end of Pogs. But you got like uh, Real Monsters, you got. Uh, Invader Zim just turned 22 years old, by the way, like within the last like week or two. 
Hit what? It 20, Man. Yeah. I thought it was later on. Well, well never I mind then. Old. Oh, yeah. my goodness gracious. But uh, so may, there were probably pogs made of it. Um, he, uh, uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, which, I mean, there already is some crossover between the, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Power Rangers because there's actually a comic series going that has them both uh, interacting. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. The main thing that I wanted to bring up was I wanted to ask you guys, like, what sort of fandoms did you really interact with and what stories, what interesting stories do you have from that? Because, like, and, and I'll give a little bit of backstory. Um, I have written a dissertation uh, in fandoms um, where I wrote about three different types of uh, original media. I wrote about uh, I, I took the time travel physics in um, My Little Pony because I was a brony back in the day. That I'm admitting so it so much. Yes. Um, <laughs> the time travel uh, physics in Harry Potter and then the time travel physics in uh, Back to the Future. And what I did was I analyzed how that works and like trying to do some sort of scientific rigor, you know, like cause and effect, like what happens when you mess around with the timeline, etc., and I compared those time travel physics to uh, original or fan fiction works. So can someone take the time travel? So I searched for uh, fan fiction of like Harry Potter that dealt with time travel and tried to see if they followed the same sort of rules that were set forth in the original work. So with that, I really enjoy how people take original works and adapt it to their own, like use it for their own devices to like tell their own story because it's one thing to make up your own stuff as you go along. You know, I'm going to, this is an entirely original work. Everything within there is my own. That's one thing, but it's an entirely other thing to take things that have uh, to take a product that has already been made and to adapt it and make it your own. You know, it's so interesting that you say that too, because I think that, largely the desire to do something to that effect is innately human uh, to to take something that you love and further explore it uh as an example i remember when i was in grade four i was a huge fan of the goosebumps books right rl steins and one of the goosebumps yeah i loved them and uh, and I would collect. I collected them all. I had all of them right into the Goosebumps series 2000. Started getting all those, and then later on was collecting Fear Street before I kind of fell off of it and stopped collecting. Um, but anyways, one of the Goosebumps books was uh, Egg Monster from Mars. And I remember in grade four, I wrote a story for class, uh, which was like the Bacon Monster from Venus. Right. And so, and so I'm only a grade four. Right. And I don't, you know, have the concept of like, you know, fandoms or wanting to like, or a fan fiction or any of that. Right. I don't have like, I I don't know that concept yet, but just something like innately human. I love this. I love this story. Let me like branch off and do something similar or in that same sort of universe. And, uh, and I think that, you know, as a little kid, that desire exists. And I think that, uh, really is just innately human, which is probably why there is such a plethora of fan fiction for every single thing. If there's something that you have a remote interest in, there's going to be fan fiction related to it somewhere. Oh, yeah. I agree. And, is and that you like can, a law of the internet? Uh, yes. <laughs> um, it isn't necessarily, uh, you know, uh, what was it? Rule? 34. Yeah, 34. Thank you. I can't believe I forgot that. I'll flagellate myself after this call. Um, but yeah, rule 34, but like, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, sexual in nature. Like if there, if it exists, someone has written fan fiction of it. Someone has shipped two people within that work together. Like, I feel like those are variations of the same rule where people will take this original work and they will do something with it. I mean, we could all probably recount times where we watched a really cool movie or we watched something that was like really popular at the time. And we were like, let's like you hang out with your friends and you're like, let's play Pokemon or like, you know, let's pretend to play this or that. And like, and you just make up an entirely new story because you guys just want to be within that universe, you know? And I like that stuff is just so fascinating to me. Um, and I would definitely agree that it is uh, a like a innate human thing to just want to take something and not necessarily make it your own, but to take something into 
like play around with it to like be like i want to be within this spot or within this work to add to it to make it grow to push it further forward in in a way like that might not necessarily be like you know you're a second grader and be like oh gee i would love to i i created 10 more new pokemon like that that isn't like necessarily the goal that you work with but you're like I want to catch the Pokemon. I want to catch Pikachu. Um, and you know, Pikachu would be better if it had wings and it uh, mm-hmm. uh, breathe fire. Like it's a new Pokemon evolution. Like I, I, I mean, I did that stuff with Dragon Ball Z when I was a kid. I was a really big Dragon Ball Z fan. Like I had some of the toys. I would hang out with the neighborhood kids and we would uh, invent new Super Saiyan forms, like going all the way up to like Super Saiyan 10 or something crazy like that, you know, because like that's, that's what you just did. Like now, you, I'm just you... picturing you and your friends as a kid, like doing crossovers between My Little Pony and Dragon Ball Z. I did not watch <laughs> My Little Pony as a kid. I watched the new version that came out in the early tens. Oh, I see. I watched you only found college. My Little Pony as an adult. I see. Yes, I <laughs> that makes it much better. To be specific, I watched My Little Pony: Friendship Is Magic. I didn't watch the My Little Pony in the eighties. I never watched that show. I watched the Friendship Is Magic. I was a brony. I was a brony, and I'll admit that. I I want to read this dissertation. Oh yeah, one day I'll try and adapt it into like an actual episode. Like it's it's I don't know if it's publicly available, but I can send it to you. It's like fifty pages of yeah. I'd be I can't say read it. direct, that'd be fun. but yeah, um, yeah, I'd be game to read it. That'd be that'd be interesting. Yeah, one day I'll make an episode of it. Sure. All right. So that'd going back to fandoms, then. So Jess, do you want to crack open this topic and address his questions there of like what fandom you have history with? Uh, there's a lot of fandoms. Some of them I still consider myself part of and some of them i don't which is Um, totally fair i agree i have i have a couple of those in that similar boat still a brony at heart gotcha (laughs) no (laughs) um but i was really big into the kingdom hearts fandom um and that was like around the same time when tumblr was at its peak so um (laughs) there was a lot of you know tumblr posts and fan fiction written and i don't think any of mine lives on the internet but a friend and i would like pass notebooks back and forth and we would help each other write fan fiction uh (laughs) but i i did read a lot of it too um there was Firefly. Uh, I I do still oh, consider yeah. myself a brown coat. So uh, that is one of my favorite shows in existence of all time. I'm sad it is long. Do you include Serenity as part of that? Is that I that do. Whole... Okay. I enjoyed Serenity. Um, Who are there people that don't? Possibly. I'm sure. I'm sure I'm there's sure. someone out curious. there that's like Serenity is bullshit. Worst movie ever. They should have just left it alone. Oh, which <laughs> I'm, I I'm mean, sure there's somebody out there that, that that's, feels that that's, way. That's true. That's true. For for every fandom, there is at least one person that has like the most bizarre sort of like view of it. Well, especially like, when you have like a bit of a break, you know, in between stuff, because then you give time like where people have settled. Okay, it's not coming back. Here's how in my head the canon continues and what the characters do and what's happened to them. And then when you actually do get to revisit those characters and they haven't gone in the direction that you've had canon done, then you might have some kickback to it where you might be like, this is bullshit. I'm in my head. The the series ended when it ended. So I I personally enjoy the film as well, but I'm sure that there are definitely people. That's actually where I started. I never really watched Firefly, but I watched Serenity. It was I was like in high school and they had uh, the science club where was just showing that one day. And so I was like, OK, yeah, sure. I'll watch it. I didn't really understand what was going on, but I thought it was an OK movie. And did you circle you know, back that, to Firefly later? Actually, no, just just like me now, I was incredibly lazy as a high schooler and I did not put any effort into trying to find things. I Have either of you seen it? Yeah, so oh, would yeah. I, for sure. Mm-hmm. Have either of you seen Cleopatra 2525? Mm-mm. Okay, I so, feel like that's a Futurama reference when they were like doing the the time travel skits and they had that song where it was like in the year twenty five, twenty five, twenty five. Okay, so 
uh this was like a i think it only lasted i think it made it two seasons i downloaded this stuff like when i went on a huge like downloading and burning dvds phase in like 2008 2009 so i was just grabbing everything and this was a i think it was a two season series it i remember it ends on like a cliffhanger unfortunately but it has uh one of the stars of the show is uh one of the actresses from firefly and um it is uh, it was made during this, like by the same studios and stuff that were doing like Hercules and Xena um, oh, and all those. Okay. Show, and it was in that same like action block on that same channel. Um, but it's set in the year 2525. And actually the actress from Firefly, she also sings the uh, the theme song to it. It's a very like, catchy theme song. Oh. Um, um, it's it's I highly recommend it anyways, especially for like kind of a unique fandom um if you're into sci-fi at all it's definitely worth a go i occasionally revisit it every now and then um so definitely worth like just checking out little snippets and stuff on youtube just to get your whistle wet regarding it um because it is a underrated in my opinion uh sci-fi show that that should have continued on and if since and if you like the firefly actors and stuff like that you'll you'll get a kick out of it and if you are kind of a fan of the xena hercules like era and like the the kind of the humor that was injected in that just take i think the main concept of it was like instead of going back in time like we did with hercules and xena let's go like forward and like do a future type show in that same sort of like actiony kick-ass vein i did like xena um but that did remind me that i was also very into buffy for a while oh okay. huge buffy the vampire slayer fan uh I was into Harry Potter, very much so. You can see my wall. For those of you not on the call, I've got a wall of Harry Potter shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I made, does that still hold true for you? It does not. For I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. hmm. A turn of recent events. Um, but Harry a turf Potter, of recent events. <laughs> Harry Potter was a big part of my life. And because of, you know at a certain point you cannot separate the art from the artist anymore and so i've i enjoy it for what it was to me back then but i'm I'm not a part of like that fandom anymore and it's not something that i i really hold near and dear to me i used to read the books once a year i don't do it anymore wow i so i sort of agree and sort of don't agree when it comes to the separate the art from the artist. I am a huge proponent of separating the art from the artist, regardless of like whatever, like, you know, atrocities the artist might've done. I can separate the art from that. But, uh, there's a big caveat there is like when the person is no longer like able to benefit from my like contribution. So like if she were to die, then I'd have like zero qualms about like playing the video game, you know, that just came out and doing all that because she's not like, there's no monetary gain on her end from it now. Right. Um, same That's thing with fair. like, yeah. Cause then you, then she can't benefit from it right now. It's like, well, I'm not going to throw my money at it because I don't want to support, cause it's just going to your bank account. So like, I'm not yeah. going to support that. Um, but if she were to like die tomorrow, I'd be like, Oh cool. All right. Let me check out the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I haven't spent money on Harry Potter in a long time. So same. Like, yeah. When people ask me what I want, I for like birthdays, Christmas, all that, I'm like, please don't buy me Harry Potter stuff. I don't want it. Yeah. If you've been friends with me for a while or like my, my family, you know that I liked Harry Potter. So I'm just like, no, don't, please don't do that. Um, and mm-hmm. I am replacing this wall with my newest fandom and obsession, which is Critical Role. So, ah, um, okay. I do have an art print that you can't see that I just got framed on the wall, and I have a couple other ones that need to get framed. But this will eventually be a critical role wall. So nice, nice. But yeah, it, that that makes sense because, like, you know, regardless of the reason, people move away from a fandom, um, either because the fan, uh, the like, the work has completed, or you know, the author is kind of a dick you know in one way or 10 other ways um i'm kind of that way with uh this old webcomic called homestuck um i unless you're like really deep into like tumblr lore from like the early 10s uh you might not even know what homestuck was but it it took the scene uh if you will for a couple of years where people would just show up at cons in uh gray face paint 
and wearing like what looked like candy cane or candy corn on their heads because it was those were the horns. <laughs> um, I can see the kind of like remembering and everything going on with Jesse over there. Um, but yes, I, I I thought I was part of the fandom until I saw how toxic the fandom was. Uh, because I won't get into too much detail, but uh, buckets are a sore subject within that fandom. It's, I again, I won't get into detail, just know that buckets are a thing, especially spitting in buckets. And there was a video where these 12 people, who were all dressed as trolls from the webcomic, went to, I think it was like an Olive Garden. They rented a huge table, and they sat there and just spat into a bucket and passed it around to each other in public. You don't really need to know the context behind that, because it just makes it worse than it actually is. But still, just people spitting into a bucket in public, that's very disgusting. And that's when I really distanced myself from that fandom, because I realized that people were taking it way out of control. Uh, and that's honestly the last fandom that I associated with. So that's why I wanted to know like your guys' like, um, associations with fandoms, either past or present. Because, like, I never found a replacement for that fandom. Because I was the, I was the person that was, like, on any sort of uh, forums that were talking about it. I was the one that, because the webcomic updated um, sporadically whenever the author decided to add to it. Um, to where, like, there could be a day where they have, like, three or four new panels of a comic or pages, or it could be a week, and then there's a Flash animation, or there's a game, or something like that. I um, even bought into the, uh, what is it called? The It was a funding thing, Kickstarter. I even bought mm. the Kickstarter that happened, I think, in 2012, that I still haven't gotten my games for completely. <laughs> oh my god! Because it was supposed to be like, we're going to create a whole new video game, uh, and it was supposed to be five acts or four acts or something like that. And they published the second act, I think, two years ago. Uh, so it's it's one of those things where it's like, you know, so somebody's I... still showing it some attention, though. Oh, yeah. And there have been hour long, hours long documentaries on that. Uh, one that I do recommend. Uh, actually, I think it's like two, two different ones by a uh, YouTuber by the name of Sarah Z or Sarah Sarah Z. Uh, that was pretty much delved into that fandom. Um, but I don't associate with that fandom anymore because of a lot of the vitriol that happened and a lot of the weird ostracization. Like they, people were wearing, they were covering themselves in gray paint, not necessarily body paint, and so there was a lot of people just fainting or blacking out or passing out at conventions um because they didn't know any better the characters that they were trying to emulate were per were completely gray so they tried doing the like um uh a wizard of oz treatment where they coated themselves in gray paint as opposed to the gold paint and yeah, yeah. so just like <laughs> reminiscing about that just brings up fresh uh, like old memories of just like being disgusted in a way of of the fandom that i considered my like i called myself with um and i i just started i started rambling about that just like bringing <laughs> up the old memories but um that's that's i guess the crux of what i wanted today's episode to be is to just ask you guys now that we're like getting close to an hour <laughs> that's the theme um of just like what you guys have dealt with in your fandoms and whether or not you're still part of those fandoms. So like in your case, Jesse, like you were really big into Harry Potter, but you separated yourself from the fandom, not necessarily because of the fandom, but because of the author involved with the fandom. Right? Yeah. But the, that you bring up like toxic behavior within a fandom that you were a part of. I think that's something that we probably should circle back around to because true fandoms and toxic behavior go together like there is yeah. not many fandoms that i have heard of or even been a part of that didn't have some toxic corner of it just brewing in the darkness so well, that makes sense because that that's the case like with all of society so it only makes sense that within <laughs> oh. 
Well, it's true. I mean, like, you I know, mean, yeah, you just you got look at really any culture, you're going to have with it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And you look at any culture, you're going to have some subset of assholes. So it only makes sense that it applies to fandom because, you know, you're going to have fans that are part of that. And part of that fandom is going to be part of that subset of assholes. Mm-hmm. That's true. But like, I always like investigating why. Like, because, I mean, you'll see it in um, the kind of hint at the fandoms that you're involved with uh doc like the star trek fandom like uh actually before i continue do you prefer the term trekkie or trekker well so it's not (laughs) prefer the terms themselves are not synonymous so like trekkie would be more a fan of the original series oh trekker and these are both antiquated terms now because there's a lot of star trek sense but the terms first kind of came into light when like the next gen came out and so trekkers were like next gen fans and trekkies were original series fans that's interesting i actually i didn't know that yeah i didn't either Yeah, no, exactly. That's why we're having these conversations. (laughs) But like when I had done research for my dissertation, um, I had come across Trekkie is what people outside of the fandom referred to those within. And this was probably like because I had read some old fandom books from like the early 90s that talked mainly about Star Trek fandoms and zines that had uh, came about because of it. And then uh, also Twin Peaks. Uh, mm-hmm. Because both of those fandoms were what really drove the zine revolution in terms of uh, just fandoms. Like, there was other, you know, like, things about zines, which honestly, I think I should do an episode on. Just, like, the underground zine culture would be really, really fascinating to, like, learn about and explain to everyone. Because it's so cool because you have, like, so many different overlaps from, like, the furry community. Because I've mentioned that before in the furry episodes that I've done. Um and then just like you also get the things with Star Trek. But to go back to what I was usually to what I was talking about before I ramble too on too much on um, Trekkers is what people refer to themselves as, I guess, back when it was just the original before they had the next generation. No. Um, that's Trekkie. what I had read. No, mm-hmm. no. that Like what I had read was and this could be miscommunication. But what I had read was they had referred Outside people refer to them as Trekkie, but a lot of people within the fandom wanted to call themselves Trekkers, that, uh, which you know was what? interesting. I, yeah, you know what? I, I, I interjected with no, but I suppose I can't really speak to that because, uh, A, I haven't done the research on it, and B, if you're talking about stuff pre-Next Gen, yeah, which then, is it fair. Would, then it would be pre-Michael. So, so like, <laughs> you mean you weren't alive in the '60s when this thing started? Oh man! I, I will quickly say that it is. It it amuses me that, you know, we talk about like a couple of these things. So like for instance, we you mentioned oh. Invader Zim earlier, and I have Invader Zim as my phone background. Nice, uh, nice. And then like so there's Gur there. And in terms of fandoms, like I I had a big Gur costume that I would wear to uh fan conventions. You, I, please we tell me you have pictures that yes. I've got yeah, I've got a couple pics. Good, because uh, I'm gonna say yeah. pics or it didn't happen. Yeah, That's no, it was, be, good. It's good. funny, is that, and and I would have <laughs> easily been able to prove that it happened until like eight months ago when I moved here. Cause when I first started talking to y'all, my Gur costume was still in the closet, like when I was first posting everything. Oh! Yeah. Uh it just got retired because of COVID and stuff. But it was badass. It looked great. It was so well done. Um oh, man. And then like my my mouse pad and stuff uh, is Invader Zim, and then in terms of Star Trek stuff, obviously I've got a bunch of Star Trek stuff, like tons of that. Um, but it amuses me as well because you talk about like Twin Peaks, and like right behind me on the bookshelf here, I've got like the Secret Diary of Laura Palmer, and I've got like you know the history of Twin Peaks and stuff. So uh, it just amuses me that just in this in the course of this conversation of fandom we've like touched on several things and I'm like, I either have within arm's reach or if I took two steps behind me, I'd have. So it's, it's funny. Um, yeah. I mean, like honestly, twin peaks, a lot of, a lot of media today that has some sort of mystery element can be traced back to twin peaks like, if you ask someone that has never heard, like uh, most people have never heard of twin peaks. And I feel like, it's so bizarre because of how influential Twin Peaks was to a lot of media that followed it because of how it was structured, how uh, the episodes came about. 
I don't know much about it myself. I only know about Twin Peaks from my fandom investigations uh, yeah. for my dissertation. But to it was so influential. To that- touch on your, your topic of like fandoms. So a lot of the things that I've been interested in, because I've been a nerd for a long time. Yeah, uh, twenty plus years running now, decades, baby. I got decades in the game. Oh man! <laughs> um, but uh, a lot of my time with things has largely been like independent, where I didn't actively engage with a fandom. For example, like I love Supernatural, right? And I've like watched it tons of times, but I've never like largely interacted with the fan base. I know people that have been on the shows, um, and we touched on this in the past. Um, but I didn't That's probably like, for the best. Yeah. The super Hulakians scare me. Yeah. And same thing with like, <laughs> they do. I'm scared of them. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, same thing with like Dr. Who I haven't like engaged with fandoms that way. <laughs> Twin Peaks, same thing. It's like, I'll listen to podcasts and stuff on it, but I'm not like actively engaging with the fan base. I would say personally, the, well, and actually just quickly, like as another callback to previous ones, uh, previous episodes, the, and I don't know if this ever actually made it come to think on a bit, call back to pre-roll of previous episodes. Anyways, I got into, um, Harry Potter when the final book was actually uh, about to come out. Um, and that was because the 30 year old Australian archeologist was a oh. huge fan of Harry Potter. Oh and my since, goodness. <laughs> and since she was huge into Harry Potter and I was into her, <laughs> literally Sing. Uh, <laughs> uh she kind of backdoored me into the harry potter fandom <laughs> you know i feel like it, sometimes you choose yeah you choose those <laughs> yeah. words oh you do my what you goodness. gotta do man you got but, uh, you do what you gotta do but uh but yeah i remember um her being super excited for the final book when it was coming out and obviously there was like lines around the block on the release day and i, I remember- waited in line at the borders bookstore till midnight same it was a fun yeah. time they had little events and themed drinks and like everybody was having a good time like oh. when the fandom was in its peak it was it was fun like yeah yeah i, mean, I, had I, a good time I remember all that um I, so that's how i got into harry potter yeah. as well i just thought it was kind of funny because when we were talking about harry potter i was like oh yeah chloe two times but yeah like no i because I was also there for a midnight release. I grabbed the book, like, I grabbed um, uh, the... Why am I forgetting the seventh? I used to know them off the top of my head. I'm thinking Half-Blood Prince. That's the sixth one. No, that... Oh, I don't remember either. What's the seventh? Deathly Hallows. Thank you, thank is. you. Deathly Hallows. I was there when it released. I grabbed that book. I told my parents, I'm staying up until I finish that book. I read it throughout the night, and I finished it before I went to school the next day. Nice. Um, I was sleep deprived, but damn it, it was worth it because I had the book completely read and no one else I talked to had. So I got to lord it over other people <laughs> that I was like, yeah, I sacrificed sleep to read this. Ha ha. And that is where we will end today's episode. Yep, that's right. This is going to be a two parter. Uh, you know, we can you find wherever we are find our socials we don't really use them we use youtube though um we usually have an after dark going on uh fridays at 10 a.m mountain time um but until then until next week uh i'm michael and i'm michael and i'm jesse and zippity zoop we're out of here <laughs> <laughs>